Welcome back to another episode of Talk and Trop. I'm your host, Gary Putnick, and today I'm joined by V89's Howie Berg and Anthony Fernandez. Today we'll get into all things FSU men's and women's basketball as we creep ever so slowly to March Madness. We also dive into FSU baseball and softball as they got their seasons underway in the past few weeks. Let's get right into it. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Talk and Shop. This time, joined by two V89ers here. Uh, first off, Howie Berg, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Um, super excited to uh, hop on the first podcast. Uh, V89 has uh, been very nice to me, kind of taking me in as, as one of their own and welcoming me with open arms, so I want to thank them for that. Excited to be here, so... Yeah, it's great to have you now. Finally, you're now part of the team. So, And then on the other side of me, I got Anthony Fernandez. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. Um, big big week in FSU sports, mm-hmm. so i got a lot to talk about. I'm pretty excited. Exactly. There's a ton of stuff happening around FSU athletics right now. I'll run through some of the headlines before we dive into FSU basketball, both men's and women's baseball and softball. But first, let's start off with FSU women's tennis. They've risen to number two in the nation after being previously ranked at four. Coach Hyde and her squad will take on number one UNC this Friday at 11 a.m. at the Scott Spicher Tennis Center. That This is going to be a huge weekend for FSU Tennis. They've been playing extremely well as of recent, and for them to be ranked number two at just this perfect time when they're taking on number one UNC, it's going to be a, an interesting weekend, to say the least, there. Any thoughts on that or no? <laughs> yeah, <and> they're, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we were seeing who's going to talk first. Um, no, um, they're definitely they're receiving the the credit they deserve, mm-hmm. and fans are taking notice. They're they're filling seats, and Jen Hyde, co- uh, head coach of the women's tennis team, threw out the first pitch of the baseball game. So they're they're receiving the recognition they they deserve, and their players they they have a lot of experienced players on that team. Exactly. So it's going to take them far in the long run. Yeah, Coach Hyde didn't seem like she had that bad of an arm. Looks like she's been doing that oh, for yeah, a she, while. She tucked <laughs> that in there. It was nice. I mean, a tennis ball and a baseball they're about the same size. So I mean, she probably throws a lot of balls at. <laughs> A little heavier, but... Yeah, I mean, exactly. Hey, hey, same idea. Showed it off. Showed exactly. It off. Let's keep moving forward. Uh, the number three FSU beach volleyball team, they're going to begin their season this weekend with seven games, starting with ULM on Friday at 4 p.m. and running all the way through Sunday. It's just, this is going to be a gauntlet of a weekend. They're playing, was it, three or four conference opponents to start off the season, and just the volume of games that are going to be going on at the beach, the beach volleyball facilities this weekend is going to be crazy. And then finally, in, in golf news, senior, uh, senior Amanda Doherty won her first individual tournament of her career at the IJGA Collegiate Invitational down in Mexico with the final score of 10 under. So shout out to her. She's been she's been a solid golfer her whole career, and to see her finally get one for FSU is pretty impressive. So good to see her uh, succeeding right now for Florida State and Florida State Women's Golf. So that's all good there. But let's jump into some FSU basketball talk. Florida State men's team coming off a it's a revenge game it was a revenge game for the Knowles they lost their first game of the season to the Pittsburgh Panthers in Pittsburgh earlier in the season and Pittsburgh then came to Tallahassee last night on two on yeah it was Tuesday and they got a they got whooped say at least 82 67 looked a little bit close to the first half Florida State was only up by five but then the Knowles really pulled away beating Pittsburgh by 10 in the second half just by that score and so, what do you guys just see out of this one? Uh, Howie, we'll start with you. Um, well, that first game of the season at Pitt was definitely a fluke for Florida State. You know, a lot of new new guys coming in, new young guys coming in. Leonard had to kind of adjust and, and see what this team's strengths are. 
and he obviously has it down pat. They know what they're doing out there. Um, I've been saying this from the start that this team is 10, 11, even 12 players deep, and every single one of those guys are smart basketball players. When you come to Florida State, you know you're not, you might not be playing 35 minutes, averaging 19 points a game. You're coming in, you're playing defense, you're doing everything that doesn't go on the stat sheet. And I think once you get the team to buy into that, this team could go very far. They already have bought into it. You could tell by the home win streak, you could tell by the rankings. And, you know, they're just in a, in a groove right now. I mean, they, the loss to Duke doesn't look great, but besides that, they've looked awesome recently. Yeah, and they've had that next man up mentality the whole season. Um, 11 players playing more than 11 minutes um, in this game. And I mean that just goes to show you everybody knows that they can contribute when when one of their players is, is down. I mean, Devin Vassell finished that game with three points, and he's the team's arguably the team's best player. So um, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about pa uh, Patrick Williams, I'm assuming. So um, he stepped up big, and I mean, some of the, some of the role players uh, stepped up big as well. So it's good to see. Yeah, let's keep it on with Patrick Williams. He started off the season slow. Pa uh, Coach Hamilton was kind of pulling him back a bit in terms of like playing time and like just letting him run loose. But recently, with the way he's been playing, it this is the guy that we all were expecting to see at the beginning of the year. What do you guys what have you guys liked out of him? Um well I've covered I've been looking at Patrick Williams since he was a junior in high school, senior in high school out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And if you look at his high high school tape, it is absolutely ridiculous. And I know understand college is just a total different beast, but this is the type of player, like Gary said, we expected when he came here. Big five-star recruit, top 25 recruit. And I think he bought into that mentality of, you know, I'm not going to go out there every night and score 20 points, you know. He, he's going to go out there. He's going he's gonna to play his role. And sometimes, you know, when other players like Vassell are a little cold, he steps up. And that, that's great to see from Pat uh, last couple games. He's had 16, 17 points. He has five, five rebounds last night, 16 points and five rebounds last night, 17 and seven the other night, uh, and on efficient shooting as well. I think both over 50% both games, and he's a great defender, blo uh, blocks very well, quality shot blocker, and, you know, we, we thought he'd be a 3-and-D three, a three and D kind of guy, but uh, he, he, he can dunk. If uh, you guys didn't watch the game last night, he throws down. So watch out for Pat Williams for the rest of the season. He's an absolute stud. Yeah, and I was going to touch on that, talking about how explosive Patrick Williams is. But, I mean, kind of bouncing off with how he said, um, this, like, Patrick Williams being on this Florida State basketball team is going to prepare him for how uh, the rest of his career is. He might join an NBA team in a year or two, and uh, he might not get the playing time right away, but he but he he knows that when his time comes and when the ball is given to him and when he's expected to shoot, he will um, contribute how he knows he, how he knows he can. And I know with Patrick Williams, everyone expected him at the beginning of the year to be a one and done guy. Do we believe right now he's going to be that way? I know he didn't get that much playing time early on in the year, but he's really shown his skill set and he's really shown how he can really play. And is there a chance that he even could be gone by, into the draft this year? Um, I saw a couple mock drafts Drafts had him at around 21, 22, 23, late first round, and that's kind of what he was projected before the season as well. And I kind of compare him to Jonathan Isaac in the sense that they kind of play the same 
type of ball, defense, long, you know, can dunk. And I thought Isaac should have stayed, of course. But he went, you know, he struggled for the first two year, first couple years, and now he broke out this season, unfortunately got injured. But I thought if Isaac stayed at a Florida State, he could have developed a little bit, maybe got a little more muscle to him, and uh, even went could could have even went higher in the draft. And I think that's what Pat could do this year if he stays next year, build some muscle, keep developing, and be an even better NBA player than you know he is now. So, yeah, and, and something that's uh, another thing that's great about this FSU basketball program is they develop their talent. Like they're 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 not a Duke. They're they're not a team that is gonna get the number one recruit every year and then he's gonna just go to the NBA right after the season. They're gonna develop their players for a year or two and then eventually they're gonna be pretty good role players in the NBA. So um, we, like, we've seen that with uh, the pretty small sample size with Terrence Mann and, and, and Fee going to the NBA. Um, but I mean, th- this is a, like Leonard Hamilton has a really good program that uh, develops their players. So, I mean, if he stays, I wouldn't blame him. But if he, if he balls out for the rest of the season and he shows what he can do and, and he puts NBA scouts on notice, I don't blame him for leaving as well. I would just really like to see how this team would look next season if everyone stays. If Vassell decides to stay, which I know is looking unlikely by the day. Granted, he did only have three points in this last game. But still, this, if this team can like all stay together, this could be dangerous. When Balsha, Kobervica starts to feel a little bit more comfortable and not be as young as he really is right now. Uh, and then uh, MJ is still here, Vassell, Patrick Williams, and then addition of recruits too. It's going to be a dangerous squad. This would be a dangerous team, but if this kind of all falls apart after this year, we could be looking into what we expected this year, and that is a rebuilding year. But I don't know how that's going to work out. I really, I, in as a fan, I would hope they all stay. But honestly, at the end of the day, if they want to get paid, get paid. Right. Don't blame them at one bit. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I wish. Vassell and, and Pat stayed, but at the end of the day, you know, they're looking at millions of dollars on the line. So if they do stay, I see Scotty Barnes coming in and turning into more of like a team player. You know, he already is like that forward guard kind of combo, and he, he does everything across the stat sheet. And I think if they're there, that would even up his, you know, team mentality even more because that's what Leonard focuses on is, is the team. But if they aren't there, I see Scotty as more of becoming a number one option kind of guy because those guys like Pat Williams and, and Vassell won't be there, but guys like Balsa and MJ and Polite and Gray can all complement, I think, Barnes very well in that like number one role that Barnes can take over possibly next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, Florida State's kind of turning into that um, mentality of like a, a Villanova or Virginia that they have guys stay for, for multiple years and I mean if it if it's working for FSU and they could like pitch it to the players to stay um, they can make something happen especially with Scotty Barnes coming in next year well it's not only working for Florida State and Villanova but like you look at the rest of the the rest of the nation a lot of the teams who are in the top five and top ten they're teams that have a lot of returners and that's something that really does help bolster certain teams like UVA did that when they won the national championship they had a lot of guys who were there when they lost to UMBC when they were the one seed in uh, UMBC was the 16 so like they all understand and they have that camaraderie to play together and that really like what helps because I know like everyone looks to Kentucky everyone looks to Duke 
and the system works at certain times, but not every time, like we saw with Duke last year, they could only go as far as Zion could take them. And that's when it really starts to fail. The system really starts to fail. Well, that that system works for the big teams with they get multiple big time recruits, multiple top ten guys. Yes, exactly. But they're they're young guys. They don't know the college basketball level as well. I mean that, but it helps when they have Coach K and guys yeah. like that. But when you look at Florida State, you know they only have maybe one big big time recruit like Pat Williams, or the one big time recruit like Barnes, or the one time big 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 recruit like Walker and once those guys get complimented with guys like Forrest and, and and all those guys and man and fee and guys that have bought into the system that Leonard is all about I think that just elevates their game and and gives them the whole sense of a little experience even though they're not experienced when you have Trent Forrest who's been here for four years that experience kind of falls on Patrick Williams as well yeah and if we look through the rest of the season here, we have, uh, what is this? We got five more chances to watch this team go. Next or This weekend, they got uh, NC State up ahead at NC State in Raleigh. What do we, how are we feeling going into the rest of this season? Where do we believe this team could possibly rise to or fall to? Because, I mean, that's a lot of room to fall, and they take on Louisville next Monday. Um, well, I see three games that could really be a problem for FSU. And that's, of course, we're going to start with the Louisville game. That's mm-hmm. arguably the biggest game of the year uh, for FSU. Biggest home game. Biggest home game, biggest right, home. right, right. I would say Duke was probably the yeah. biggest game of the season. Definitely could shake up the ACC standings a bit. And do not take Clemson lightly. They knocked off Louisville, I think, last week. Yeah. yeah. Or they, no, no, it was Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech beat Louisville. Okay. Last I, believe, well, I believe they beat Louisville. Did they too? too? I didn't. I feel like Clemson also beat Duke. If, correct me if I'm Clemson, wrong there. Clemson's me, beat some good teams, that. so let's not take them lightly. And Notre Dame is a good team, very experienced. They got some good guys uh, out there in South Bend, and that's on the road. Yeah, uh, um, uh, Clemson did beat Notre Dame 79-72 yeah. earlier this so, season in, in January. I mean, Clemson, that's on the road. NC State's on the road. Notre Dame's on the road. So there'll be some tests. And yeah. listen, you know, we they they can they can end up being a, a top 15 team by the end of this five five game stretch. Just with one loss to Louisville or one loss to Notre Dame or, wh- or whoever it is. So this team has to step up. And I think, you know, we, we know of Trent, we know of Vassell, we know of MJ, but it's who's that fourth guy. And I think Pat is becoming that fourth guy. And if Pat's that fourth guy, th- they can make a deep run in, the, in, in March. Yeah, this will be a tough team to beat. 100%. And, you know, e- e- even... Besides those four guys, there's so much depth, like Polite and Gray and and Balsa's been been getting into it. Malik Osborne's been great, just an energy guy. Um, you know, Balsa, Dominique has been great. Those big guys have been good. And Malik Malik Osborne has been awesome. I love his three point shot, and he's really stepped up and embraced the center role, exactly. even though he is not. <laughs> like, he's by no means, he's a center. <laughs> he, he plays that scrappy ball. He fights for the ball. He has that shot, which honestly is one of the better shooters on the team if you look at it. But I think this team, with the depth they have, they can make a deep run in March. Anthony, you got anything to say about the way this team is looking ahead? <laughs> nope. No, All I right. think Howie. I think Howie did a pretty he good hit job. Hit the nail on the head. <laughs> yeah. You guys want to move over to FSU women's basketball right now, or you got it? Any last thoughts on men's? I, mean, I love talking FSU men's hoops, but let's move on to women's. Let's head over to the women's side now. 
they lost, they had a tough game. I know there was some questionable calls against Duke. I know Florida State and Duke and officiating haven't really mixed the past week, past week and a half, two weeks. But the Seminoles fell to the Blue Devils, sixty-six to sixty-four in Cameron Indoor. This women's team, they've. They got hot. A few weeks ago, they went on a three-game tear after having a really tough January, in my opinion. They got hot, and then they had this long break heading before Duke. I think it was close to about 10 days. And I said this on Tomahawk Talk a few Mondays ago. I said this was going to be a problem. I said this break was not going to help. And, it, I mean, mixed with the ref- officiating, it really didn't go their way. And it really hurts to see because like they, this team has felt like they can do so much. But at other times, it just they kind of just crumble under certain pressure, and it really just sucks to see this because they really do have a, a high ceiling. But the way the rest of this the women's nation or college basketball is looking, it's going to be very tough to get past a UConn, Oregon, South Carolina because those three teams have bolstered themselves at the top five right now, and I don't know if they're going to be moving anytime soon. Yeah, and I mean looking at. Kind of looking at the box score and uh, looking at how the how the game progressed, they kind of had a, a, a tough second quarter shooting. They only shot thirty three percent. Their field goal percentage was thirty three percent, and they shot one for five from three. Um, and on top of that, their biggest lead of the game was three points. So I mean, if if this team wants to be successful down the road, they have to establish a big lead um, from the get go, and then just not look back. And also, I mean, Kaya Gillespie also kind of struggled in this game, shooting two for ten. Um, and they, they need big production out of her. Um, she's, like, like I've talked about uh, about some other players, um, she's one of the best players on, on this team. So they need some big production out of her if they want uh, to see some success. Exactly. And this team, it always it feels like it's Kai Gillespie, Nikki Kamu, and Nausea Wolfolk. It's always those three players whenever they need someone to step up. But in all reality, they're going to need – more like River Baldwin did a lot in this game against Duke. She put up 10 points, had was it four rebounds, and she played a solid game all around. But it's certain aspects of the game, like River or Sammy Puisis only shot two for five. I know that's a pretty decent day, but they need a little bit more to get over this hump because 64 points is not going to be good enough to win it, really most games in the tournament. They're going to have to play a lot better defense if they want to win with the six uh, with 64. So it's going to get a lot more difficult for this team going down the stretch. They have a few games, though, before they close out their regular season. They take on Wake Forest at the Tucker Center tomorrow night. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon right now. Take on the Demon Deacons at Thursday at, or Thursday at 7 p.m. And then they go uh, up to Atlanta, take on Georgia Tech on Sunday. And then they take on Clemson and Notre Dame to finish out the season. How we feel going into the rest of this year for, this, uh, for Coach Sue's team? Um, well, after the after the Duke game, Coach Sue talked about rebounding, and you know they got out rebounded by seven, and you, you know you never like to get out rebounded, and Coach Sue said that that was their biggest problem, and you know maybe focus on rebounding a little more, and of course, Kai Galepsi only scoring seven points. Uh, I think Gary talked about it. Y- you're gonna have to find that other option if one of those one of the big three you know doesn't have the game that they're supposed to have, you know? So th- so they got to find that fourth, fifth, sixth option that can provide a spark, just like the men's basketball team does. You know, they're, they're deep, and, and they, they can find scoring in many ways. And this Florida State women's team needs to find some more scoring off the bench, deeper in the lineup. So Yeah, depth's generally been the problem for this team, Anthony. Yeah, and, I mean, 
yeah, I was just about to say <laughs> that. But um, they, yeah, I mean, they're they're relying on these freshmen, uh, River Baldwin and Sammy Puisas, and that's why they came to Florida State. They knew they were going to contribute right away, and I mean, both of them played twenty minutes, mm-hmm. uh, played twenty minutes in that game against Duke. And if they're going to be playing that amount of time, they they can't just get five or six shots off. They're going to need to um, like move the ball around more and really like give them more of an opportunity because they can play. There, there's no doubt about it. They're not just um, freshmen that are like are like they're not just learning over. the game. They yeah. know this they, game. They, and they're they know the well game. Well versed. Uh, Coach Sue's uh, like pushing them. They, I mean, 20 minutes. They're playing. They're playing 20 minutes. But I mean, looking looking forward to that Georgia Tech game. Um, look out for a player that we haven't really talked about that much. That's Morgan Jones. Um, something that Sue Semrau likes to do um, with her seniors is um, is schedule like a homecoming game for them mm-hmm. um so basically she'll schedule she'll put a game on the schedule that will um that the families of the players can can go see them um and that'll be in georgia tech and so look, look for her to uh, put in a big performance against georgia tech yeah that'll be a, that'll be an interesting game i think that's their last actually georgia tech's their last away game of the season and then their final two games clemson and notre dame will be in tallahassee so a lot more opportunity to see the women's team actually play in Tallahassee than the men's team come down the stretch. So those will certainly be some good games to watch. But I think it's time to head over to the Diamond now and talk about some FSU baseball and softball. We start off with the, uh, the baseball team as they just had their game against uh, South Florida last night. The guys won 7-3. to three. It looked pretty – it was an interesting game early on. USF punched FSU in the mouth first, got three runs up, but then teams started to slowly work their way back, find themselves at the find themselves at the plate, and thanks to a big Matthew Nelson home run, Knowles were able to get the win there. What'd you guys see out of this one? Um, well, the first thing I look at is the amount of walks they drew. Mm-hmm. Nine walks. It I mean, felt like an old a Mike Martin, a Mike Martin, not Mike Martin Jr., a Mike Martin baseball team. Right, and I think <laughs> Mike Martin Jr., his son, kind of took that mentality of you know. Walking's a good thing. Walking's a great thing. I was at the game on Saturday. I think they drew 12, 13 walks, something like that. And it's and weird because at the beginning of the year, he was preaching aggressiveness and right. being all aggressive in every aspect of the game, and I would assume that means even hitting at the plate. And in that first game against Niagara in the very first game of the season, that aggressive mentality was really it was detriment to them because they were striking out a lot of situations, and then they kind of pulled back, and they're like, shoot, we can't be so aggressive, and then they started taking strikeouts looking. Right. So it really killed him, but yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you're totally right about that. I think the first game, the jitters, it's a lot. New coach, packed crowd, you know, that, that's mm-hmm. a lot. I, I give them a pass on that first game. Of course, it's never good to see a, a team like FSU lose to a team like Niagara, but they came out Saturday, put up 24, had however many walks, 12, 13 walks, and... I, I, I a love game that you would expect exactly. against Niagara. That, that's what they needed to kind of get the bats awake, get themselves kind of ready for the season, mm-hmm. I feel like. They also won on Sunday against Niagara, and they ended up beating USF last night, which was great to see. Even with uh, Reese Albert going over 5 and Elijah Cable still not... Well, Elijah's been, he struck out, he had the four strikeouts. Right. He, was it, he had, a, was I can't remember, so it's the Golden Sombreros three, and then he was almost to a platinum. Well, that, wait. <laughs> the Golden, the Golden Sombreros, Sombreros no, four. It's I four think. strike, yeah, yeah four, four. Okay, I thought it was three, but either way. So he had four strikeouts in game ones in the first right. game of the year, and he hasn't had a strikeout since. I'm 99% sure of that. Like, yeah, he struck out once last night. Okay, um, once last but, night, but still. But like, yeah, he's, I mean. That's, re- that's great considering play, he was. Walking. He's yeah. get, I mean, he got hit by a pitch last night as well. But 
this lineup has the potential to be really deadly. I mean, Tyler Martin's showing that he can produce at the number one spot. And then going down the line, I know Matthew Nelson and Reese Albert haven't been producing the way the, the Knowles have wanted them to in the beginning of the season. But hopefully this this home run broke Matthew Nelson out. Um, unfortunately, um, he hit a home run off of one of one of a good friend of mine, a kid that <laughs> I've I've grown I've grown up playing baseball with, um, Matt Marini. But um, but yeah, I mean, if you're if you're an FSU baseball fan and you're looking at Matthew Nelson and you you see him hit that home run, um, it's definitely a good sign. And uh, Reese Albert, um, Mike Martin Jr. said in a press conference that even though um, his numbers don't show for it. Reese Albert was putting a lot of balls in play and hitting the ball hard yesterday. He was. He, that... he was. He was hitting some hard line drives. It was just right at the right in the outfielder's gloves. So those those balls are going to fall eventually. He's mm-hmm. he's going to get his opportunity. He's gonna he's going to be clutch when the team needs him. And I mean down the li- down the line, like I, I can keep going on and on about these players. Cabell, Robbie Martin. He he's a stud. Um, Jackson Green, look out for him. Yep. And and Carter Smith as well. Carter Smith went two for three yesterday with two RBIs. I mean that like. The offense seems to be the problem for the for the Seminoles, but if they get it all together, they can be really good. Yeah, and I think we're all kind of waiting to see FSU take on bigger name talent right now, real ACC competition. But USF is a solid team. They're made of a lot of Florida boys, and I think we can all attest here. Florida is probably one of the better states for high school baseball transitioning down to college. Yeah. But this team really has a lot of depth, and where uh, Martin believes the most depth is is at the pitching, and they really showed it last night. They Jack Anderson. Guy had about eight, nine innings last season. Didn't do too much. Kind of struggled a little bit this game. It took him a while to get it going. I think it was a lot of the reason why is because the volume of off-speed pitches. It just felt like a lot. Every single time, we don't really have the best angle from the press box to kind of tell whether or not if there's curve on which way the ball is moving. So I have a lot of time I rely on looking at the pitch and then down to the scoreboard to see the, uh, the speed. And a lot of time it was low 80s, high 70s. He was messing around a lot with the off-speed junk and they started to pick up on it the Bulls and they figured it out and that's how they got their three runs early on in this game but then after Anderson came out Parker Messick, Chase Haney, Jonas Galaro, and Doug Kirkland no runs only three hits allowed by all four of those pitchers so it was really solid and I was happy to see that out of this team at least yeah I mean growing up playing baseball my whole life and being a pitcher you you, you know you just can't walk people mm-hmm. and, and I know I talked about taking walks as hitters and I'm going to focus on giving out walks as a pitcher and it is so important to keep your walks down and I was at the game Saturday watched Shane Drohan and he walked a couple guys he was a little iffy in those first first two innings and that's when you get into problems when you walk guys and the last three relievers that came in for the last four four and a third zero walks and that's why FSU comes away with the win it's because they they, they don't like guys You'll, that get on bases. Yeah, I was get about to say, you limit base runners exactly. to your opposing team. The yes. opposing team can't score that many exactly. runs. It's just, exactly. That's just simple math right there. But it, <laughs> it's, it's a lot harder than you think to not walk a guy. <laughs> right. So that that that's that was my biggest thing. With, when my pitching coach would talk to me, don't walk guys. You walk guys, that's 10 poles each each guy you mm-hmm. walk. So I'm like, all right, can't walk guys. And that, that I think that's one of the biggest things about pitching, throw strikes, you know, Allow them to hit the ball. You you have eight, uh, seven guys. You behind put the you. ball in play. Yes, it's, it's going to find someone right, nine times right. out of ten. It feels like exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, two two of the last three pitchers in that game were returners, Chase Haney and Jonas Galaro. 
Um, uh, Mike Martin Jr. kind of joked around in yesterday's press conference saying he wishes he can get uh, Chase Haney another year of eligibility just because of what he provides to that team. He's a team captain, so they're going to rely on him in big situations coming in relief. And Jonas Scalaro looked really good yesterday. He pitched really well. Mm-hmm. He, his command was there. His off-speed was there. Um, so that, that was good to see out of him. And uh, Mike Martin Jr. also praised uh, Kirkland for how he pitched. I really like Parker Messick, though, on on Tuesday night. He did look like he had some really good stuff. He got thrown into a bad situation, though. Got thrown into a bases loaded, I think, one or two out situation. Was able to get out of the jam with only give or He gave up a few runs in that jam, but all those runs were eventually charged mainly to Jack Anderson. But still, he pitched well enough in those jams where I have a little bit of confidence in him to kind of see what he can do the rest of the way. And he... And when he had fresh innings and we had no one on, he pitched solid. So I was happy with the yeah. way he, Parker and looked. I believe the first pitch of of, of his outing, um, he was probably just trying to get it over the plate and like get get accustomed to the outing. And you uh, the U.S. batter just kind of jumped on it mm-hmm. and hit it off the wall. Um, but other than, yeah, like you said, other than that, he looked really he looked really good. He got put into a tough situation, but he settled down uh, through the rest of it. So. Yeah, and this team they'll have a they'll have a I, we could say this again like what we were expecting with Niagara we can we should Florida State should win these these games I expect them to at least come out of it with two uh, win two out of those these three against Cincinnati over the weekend because these like this game is the, I'd say this series and Jacksonville on next Tuesday are their last tune up games because next weekend we won't talk a lot about this one this week but next week it's probably the toughest weekend in college baseball in all of the nation. The Noles take on FAU Friday and Saturday, and then Texas Tech Saturday and Sunday. So they got a doubleheader on Saturday against two NCAA tournament teams from last season, one of which, Texas Tech, was a College World Series team. Yeah, and, and, that, and their, their pitching is just going to, like, they they're, they're have a deep bullpen, um, and they're going to rely on that, and their hitters just they need to show up. And that weekend's going to be a huge test, and so that's why I think this Cincinnati weekend is so crucial to kind of see where everyone is at going into the next week and how they feel and where the bats are at and if these pitchers, if some guys need to get more innings, if some guys need to get less, and figure this out where to go from here because at the end of the day, this, this team still has some question marks. I know like at third base, they're still trying to figure out is it Carter Smith, Cooper Swanson, Tyrell Brewer, or whoever. Like there's a a boatload of names to be thrown around right now in the corners. So I don't know where this team really is going to go from there in that sense. But do you guys have any ideas possibly? Because I got um, – because I think I think Carter Smith, he's a Carter Smith's a solid bat. It's just I don't know if he's there defensively because I know he did make a few – he made a few bad plays. I wouldn't, I don't know if they're exactly marked as errors. I think one was marked. Yeah, but really. but still, like there's even that – even then on the scorecard, they don't mark mental errors. So there was a few of those – and he just doesn't seem to be all there, but Tyrell Brewer and Cooper Swanson seem to be a bit, a bit more there defensively. Yeah, I, I could see them run like a little committee, I feel mm-hmm. like. Is that. I mean, it's yeah, it's like running back by exactly, committee in football. Exactly. Yeah, yeah right and, behind hand. Right. And I was at the game Saturday, and Tyrell Brewer started and led off at third base. And we talked to Mike Martin Jr. after, and he said he likes Tyrell Brewer against lefties and Tyler Martin against righties for that leadoff spot. But overall, I think Tyrell Brewer is a stud. I think he he has he's good defensively, and he does have a little he, he has a good bat. And he I think he had a double down the line or maybe an RBI single that game that I was at. And he's quick. He's mm. very quick too. And he's only a freshman, so I, I could see him. You know, maybe not getting the playing time that a starter would get, but he'll he'll be out there and he'll contribute definitely. Mm. Yeah. Do you have um, anything on him, Anthony? Or 
No, you kind of touched on all. Yeah, yeah. you touched on on all things, um, on everything. One thing I wanted to ask you guys: What do you guys mm. think about those home run lights? Oh, I thought they were pretty I, sick. Yeah, I mean, the first time I, mean, I go s- to a nighttime game, I only went to the t- the daytime game and so, didn't get the lights. So. so the first time I saw them was on Friday night when they played Niagara, and they played them after the bunt single that scored Tyler Martin. So at first I was like, are they going to do this on every single run they score? Because that would be a lot to do the whole. Because like the lights they flash like in a circular pattern around the field, so it's kind of weird when they do it for a bunt a bunt single to score <laughs> a run. But when it's a home run, it, it's a lot cooler. It reminds me of like what the Yankees and the Braves and a bunch of the new like ballparks, the newer ballparks around the MLB are doing. So it's really cool. And I know Martin even said Martin or Meet said last night in the press conference that there's going to be a package that still hasn't been fully like put in yet, and it's going to change the lighting under the awnings of the stands. So like those are going to flash guard and gold, maybe some other colors, whatever the situation may be. So that'll make that'll add to the that further add to the fan experience at the Cowser. So what do you think about them, Anthony? I know you were the one who brought it up. <laughs> no, I, I mean I like that they're trying to do something to uh, change the fan experience. Like they're bringing a more modern um, mm-hmm. aspect of of a baseball game to this fan experience. This is a very traditional uh, baseball experience here at Dick Hauser Stadium. So I mean I kind of like it. We'll see mm-hmm. we'll see how it turns out and let's see uh, how those garnet lights turn out. Hopefully. Those lights go out, uh, go off a lot. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, well, it all started with the new scoreboard that they put out there a few years ago, and that really helped because I know the old one was the classic analog one that had a box per inning per team. So that was – it's old school. It's nice to some degree, but you like to have a lot of information that the, the more monitor-like scoreboard provides. And even then, the lights – I think the lights were also good in the aspect that they're just – it makes the field look brighter and it helps the players in the sense that they can actually see the ball better at certain times. Maybe the ball doesn't get lost in the lights because I know the lights actually angled downward. So it's not like more of a circular bulb that kind of just shines light up and down and all around. This is mainly just down to the playing field. So if the ball gets above the lights, you can still see it for the most part. So it helps them too. But let's jump on to FSU softball. I think we can argue needs some of those upgrades to their facility as well because they certainly haven't been getting the love they deserved. And they really didn't get the love they deserved probably from their opponents this past weekend. They went down to the Clearwater Elite Invitational down in Clearwater, Florida, where they took on, what was that, four out of five, four out of their five opponents were top 15, top 25 teams. They lost to uh, number one Washington, uh, 7-0, number 13 Minnesota, 7-6. They lost again to Northwestern, 6-2. They beat Liberty seven to one, and then they lost to UC, number two UCLA three to two in a late inning heartbreaker for them. So this team they started off the season extremely hot. They took down what was it, they went five and zero their first weekend. They took down UNC number one number one at the time Alabama twice, one by which was a mercy rule in five innings eight nothing, and then they also whooped up on Detroit Mercy, but they were kind of met with that resistance this past weekend. How do we feel about this team going into the rest of the year? Do we, are we worried? Because I know this kind of does bring about some worry for some people. I'm personally not too worried, but I just don't know how you guys are feeling right now. Yeah, I'm not too worried just because they played so many games this week, this past weekend, and you know, pl- playing five games in a weekend takes a toll on you, no matter what sport you're playing. And the biggest thing I took from that game against UCLA the other night was they only had five hits, and. That was the last game of the tournament, fifth game of the weekend. Late night, five, yeah, late night exactly, on Sunday, exactly. too. I'm not too worried. I know the five hits isn't very 
encouraging, but you know, when, when you when you play something for so long, you, you get pretty tired. Well, so. with, with two runs on five hits, that's I mean that's pretty efficient. Yeah. So if they just get more base runners on, you would think that would correlate to more runs. Right. But still, I mean, it's just it was a it was a tough weekend for the for the uh, for the team down south. Um. Yeah. I mean, like we we were expecting them to beat uh, Liberty most likely. Like I'm pretty sure everyone mm-hmm. going into that game was expecting to beat Liberty. But, I mean, that's why you schedule these games early on in the season. You schedule these games so you see what you're made of early on. And if you don't come out with a win in those games, you learn from it. You see what you need. You go back to the drawing board. You look at video. You look at um, anything that you need to do to get better. And what, you're going to see these teams again if you make if you try to make a, a World Series. These run. will all be tournament teams, probably including Definitely. Liberty at this point. Because, I mean, Liberty got thrown into fire, too, with this weekend. <laughs> right. So, I mean... The top of their lineup's there. They have some good con- uh, contribution on the at the bottom of the lineup. They just got to put it all together. Mm-hmm. And one thing that was just a scary moment all around in the game against Liberty, catcher Anna Shelna took a foul ball to the eye and immediately went down. I've we've seen pictures since the injury happened. Her eye is just completely shut, saw just completely shut. And those are one of the things that you kind of worry like there's a possibility she could go blind because I mean, the game is called softball. But that ball in soft, like that, it's a hard ball. It's like a baseball. It's like any other sport, any other ball for the most part. It's going to be hard. And that the rate at which the ball was thrown and then off the bat, there's a certain amount of velocity that still comes with it. And it's just scary to see. And it, hopefully she recovers to 100% and is able to make it back for the rest of the season. Like, what'd you guys, what'd you, did you guys watch it live when it happened? I didn't watch it live, but I saw, um, I did see the clip. And it looked rough. It's not something you see often. I know in baseball mm-hmm. you don't see it often, but maybe because of the I think um, it's the, the way angle. that the ball comes yeah, to yeah. Because maybe like because because of the rise ball, and uh, that probably had like that's that probably did it to him uh, to her. But um, but yeah, it's d- definitely a tough loss. Anna Shonut's a veteran player, one of their best players. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely going to be uh, tough playing without her. But I mean. Show goes on next 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 man up mentality. That's what Florida State has. Exactly, and in this case, it will it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to replace her because she is that veteran bat and that veteran presence in the lineup, especially a catcher. It really helps to have a catcher who's been there and knows how to kind of calm everyone down, whether it be the pitcher or just the infield and outfield in general, because the catcher is always the field general. That's I mean the role usually of them. It's either them or the shortstop that takes over that role, and it's gonna be tough to really kind of fill in and do we think Kyle uh sorry I'm gonna mispronounce this last name not very great Kyle Lepresti is Lepresti I think I I think I hit that one pretty much sorry sorry Lepresti if I messed that up but um do we really think she's gonna be able to kind of step up and fill this void um again he said it's that next 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 man next woman up mentality and and I think a freshman like this come to Florida State big time program and she gets her number called, I think she'll be ready. You know, athletes have this mindset where, you know, if my number's called, I'm I'm going and showing out for my team. And I think, you know, Anna Shellnut kind of gave her a little tutorial of FSU softball mm-hmm. and kind of brought her in, taught her a little bit. And, and I think Shellnut, if she is sidelined for however long, um, can really help her as, as kind of that second coach for uh, the young freshmen, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and for FSU softball, they have 10 games between, or 10 days, sorry, 
between their last game against UCLA and their next game next Wednesday, February 26th, against UCF in Tallahassee. So it's a much-deserved and much-needed rest for this team because right after the game against UCF, they'll be heading down to Fayetteville, Arkansas for the Woo Pig Classic where they're going to have, was that, one, two, three, four, four games in another weekend. So these game, these classics, these tournaments, these whatever you like to call them, just conglomerations of softball games in a certain weekend, they're really a lot to take in because I know like FSU baseball, they have the luxury of sitting back playing like two or three home stands in a week or two or three home stands, kind of just taking it easy, playing at home, sleeping in their own bed and not playing five games in a weekend. <laughs> Softball has no, no, it's like no, they have no time to relax. It feels like except for these 10 days between games. So what do we believe or do do we really think this uh, break's going to be helpful or hurtful? Because I know there's the rest versus rust debate that goes on across all sports. Um, I, th- I think it'll be helpful. Um, they played 11 games in the last two uh, two weekends. Um, so I definitely think it'll be helpful for them. Um, but, I mean, this is how it's going to be when they get if, if they're trying to make a World Series run. If they're in the tournament, they're going to be playing games sometimes back-to-back days uh they might get a day off in between but other than that they're they're going to be playing this so it's good like i said it's good practice it's it's good it's good to get accustomed to how this is going to be but um yeah hopefully i mean hopefully they don't get burnt out early in early in the season yeah we glad to see but right and i think i think it helps that they have a game on uh wednesday the 26th against mm-hmm. ucf kind of just like a little warm-up yeah, tune-up kind of game warm-up to the classic mm-hmm. the woo pig classic <laughs> Um, hell, love, of a, love, hell of a name. Love that <laughs> name. Love we'll that pick name. Suey. <laughs> but yeah, uh, let, let, let's see how they play uh, against UCF, and and that'll kind of be the determine determining factor on how they play in that classic, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I know. I, I know a lot of us probably aren't that worried that this weekend will really hang around with this team because we know the kind of program that Lonnie Alameda has uh, built up, and we know the mentality of this team that they will fight to the end. We saw it really in the 28 when they won the national title a few years back because they were given the nickname the Cardiac Kids, so there's a reason for that. So they really know how to fight and they really know how to compete in these kind of games when they're down. So is that really all that we got for uh, this week in Seminole Sports? I know we really hit on we hit on a lot. We this did, was yeah. a lot of talk. I think about FSU lot. softball has a ton of games after that break. Wow. They have the 26th for UCF, the the Wood Pig Classic, which is five five-ish games, and then really no no breaks in between besides the one from the third to the sixth. But wow, they have a lot of games coming up. So excited to see how they play. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. The springs the spring is just a ton of fun for FSU athletics That's and just fun. for sports in general because we're going to have March Madness coming up in a few weeks. We're going to have baseball getting into full swing. MLB comes around. I know a lot of us love the MLB and even the XFL. So <laughs> a lot of a lot of great stuff going on around athletics in Florida State. But I think that's all we got. Thank you guys for joining me. Any last words? No problem. Yeah. Super all right. excited. Sweet. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk and Chop. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FSVU Sports. Also, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.